Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Brad. And on today's episode, this is uh, this is going to be a fun episode. We kind of let the, the voters on our private Facebook community uh, check us out at Financial Advisors Edge community right there on Facebook. It's free to join. But we, uh, Brad, we we kind of listed about eight different topics where people could kind of pick or vote on their, their favorite topic, what they wanted to hear about. And I, I think number, the first topic uh, was Brad's <laughs> best ideas for 2023, what's working right now. Um, so Brad, we're going to, before we get into that, this is going to be an interesting topic to see what's working for Brad right now, what's working for me right now in, in the conversations we're having with clients. But before we jump into that, I wanted to remind listeners, uh, we have a great website, thefaedge.com. We're starting and building and designing a, a private community. It's a coaching community called the Century Club. And so we've got we've got a handful of spots still remaining. But what we've found, uh, you know, in, in kind of having conversations with both Brad and Jim, and they've both built monster businesses. I'm um, admittedly I'm a, I'm a little behind them, but uh, but done okay for myself as well. But what we found is that success leaves tracks. And what we mean by that is, if you one of the best pieces of, of advice anybody ever gave me was find someone that's in your industry that has been massively successful, and figure out what's worked for them and how to do it, and then just follow those tracks because you know success leaves footprints, success leaves tracks. Figure out you know what these successful people were doing to get where they were, and then just kind of follow those tracks, and eventually you'll get to the same place. And as I've been in this industry, and Brad, I, I know you have too, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing an advisor who's doing really, really well, and they're not smarter than you. They're not more talented than you. And you think, how how do they have such a, a, a good business? Well, they've just figured out the success formula. And so yeah. that's what we're going to share you know, in this Century Club with you know all the people that want to join. We're going to share our secrets, what's worked for us. And again, this is this is a you know private group uh, where you can kind of learn a lot. We'll have monthly coaching calls. We will have Zoom sessions. We will have a Q and A. We'll have presentations on our our templates that we use with our clients, with our prospects. Jim's going to share us all share all of his marketing secrets. We're going to kind of lay everything out, and that was kind of the purpose behind the Century Club, and that's why I think we're all so excited. Brad's going to lay out, you know, portfolio management and teach you all about that and how to do it, making it the process extremely easy. So, uh, so check that out, the Century Club at thefaedge.com. We're kind of building that week by week, just kind of adding on more layers. So then, we, when we you know, are ready to fully launch it. 
we, we've got everything ready. So uh, that's going to be coming up here pretty shortly. So check it out. Brad, what's working for you in 2023? Let's jump into this topic. Brad, the last two weeks, you just said, you know, prior to recording, you have met with 27 people, both prospects and clients in the last two weeks. Is that right? That is correct, Greg. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I think I we're I think it was it was either 62 or 68 in January. Wow. And I think I was too tired to keep track in February. I don't remember. Wow. Wow. So, so kind of looking at 2023 and the year that it's going to shape up to be, you know, when you're meeting with that many people, both, you know, clients for update meetings or update sessions, and then also, you know, prospective clients, when you have that many meetings, that much activity, this is probably going to be shape up to be probably your best year ever. Uh, is it not? Yeah, I mean it's shaping up to be a to be a pretty solid year, that's for sure. Uh, I don't want to claim victory yet in March, but yeah, there's a possibility it'll be the best ever. And you know what? If you're doing what you're supposed to do, probably every year in the future should be a new best year ever for as long as you want it to be. Yeah. You know, as your processes and systems get more refined and you have more and more people to talk to, each year should just get better and better. So Yeah. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about, you know, the the hot topics, if you will, in the conversations that you're having with both clients and prospects and kind of the strategies you're using, what is resonating with people, what's working right now that maybe wasn't working a year ago or, you know, 24 months ago, kind of, kind of uh, help the listeners kind of understand what's working right now. Yeah. So across both types of uh, both clients and prospects, the, the same topics seem to be coming up over and over as hot topics. And it's obviously, you know, it's kind of one of three different groups right now. You know, one is interest rates for sure. Two, obviously there's concern about the banking sector right now and safety of deposits. And then uh, obviously right now, taxes and tax time. They seem to be the big, the conversations that I'm having over and over and over again with people, whether they're clients or prospects. And luckily for us, all three of them represent opportunity. Right, right. So let's 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 start off, but you know, talking about you know the banking crisis and in you know, have you been getting very many calls from clients, you know, saying, "Hey, did you hear about what Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and all these what Republic, First Republic, First Republic, yeah, yeah, and all these, you know, what are we doing? Are we safe? Are you getting a lot of calls, or you know, how are you kind of explaining uh, to clients what's happening? I haven't gotten a ton of calls. Actually, I don't think I've gotten any calls that are just for that reason where, say, like a person is scared about their bank account and called me to talk about it. But it it comes up pretty regularly in prospect meetings, client reviews, um, on-site for like uh, retirement plan education. Uh, people are definitely talking about it. Uh, so I certainly take the opportunity to explain, you know, what happened at Silicon Valley Bank. Sometimes talk a little bit about fractional reserve banking because I don't think that probably 99% of people that you run into don't really understand how the banking system works. So I don't know that that really does much except calm their nerves, except uh, you know for them to accept that they don't need to worry, assuming they don't have anything to worry about. But the opportunity that I've seen with that is, I don't I don't know if all firms have this, but um, we have access to uh, to a CDARS account, and uh, I think most brokerages do, most custodians do, where it's a you know you have an FDIC insured cash sweep, where what they do is they layer out the deposits to multiple banks to keep every piece of money under the the FDIC limit. So ours goes up to twenty five million dollars 
and they just farm it out to like a hundred different banks and then consolidate it into one account, you know, for reporting purposes. So I've been, you know, especially, you know, A and B type of client prospects that have a lot of money that are concerned. That's an excellent opportunity. Now it's pro bono also, because I don't think many people are going to charge a fee on a, on a cash sweep account, but it's a way to attract assets to the practice that you'll get a shot to put to work down the road and saying, Hey, you know, if you're sitting on a million bucks in cash or millions of dollars in cash, or you're just over the FDIC limit in any fashion, if you, especially if you already have a brokerage account open here, I mean, we can just put you in a 20 some I've I've talked to other people some of theirs are 5 million 10 million right but I get you all the FDIC coverage you need I'm not going to you know I'm not going to charge you for it just deposit it here get assets on the books and then you can circle back to uh to put them to work to investments or buy them a CD or whatever it is that that you know fits the client objectives but I think it's an excellent opportunity if somebody's out there you know married couple has 7 or 800,000 bucks in cash you know, you want to get them that extra coverage, bring the money over. Yeah. And, and you mentioned CDs as well, that those are, those are popular. I'm having, cli- I'm starting to have clients ask about those and, you know, gosh, you can find a one-year CD over 5% now. Exactly. It's, it's kind of um, offering that to people. Whereas, you know, 24 months ago, even a year ago, CDs yeah. weren't, you know, the, the rates weren't very attractive. <laughs> um, and, and, and also talk about, uh, Talk about MIGAs a little bit because those uh, I, I know those fit into your practice pretty well. You've got the you know um, obviously the the state um, th- they're insured up to the state limit amount, and uh, I, I'm sure you're telling clients about those. But uh, but how do you utilize those, and are those uh, you know coming up in in conversations? Yeah, I mean, so boy, I don't know if we can cover all the all the perspectives in this episode here, but so I've I mean. I've I've brought in so many assets from using MIGAs in my practice over the years in in really two different ways. One, I don't know, about a decade ago, I was fairly anti-annuity. Um, in fact, when I first got in the business, I didn't even take the life and health exam. I just went 766 because I didn't plan on use I didn't plan on selling insurance and I didn't plan on using annuities. And then, you know, pretty quickly after I started, you know, the global financial system melted down. So that was really nice. <laughs> and I kind of realized, you know, as I was getting into things, I was like, you know, uh, literally at my local bank, a five-year CD at one point was like 1.1%. And I started seeing, you know, insurers advertising, you know, MIGAs paying two and a half, maybe close to three at times. And I just started to realize like, you know, am I missing the boat here? Am I throwing, am I throwing the baby out with the bathwater just because I don't like the A word? And so, you know, I, I got the life and health license and you know, I, I dove right in and I, I took a pile of money from banks over the last 10 years that was sitting in savings, checking CDs and saying, hey, you know, um, t- get double or triple the interest, just do this. And it, it worked like a charm. So one of the opportunities I'm running into now and why I'm so busy is a lot of these contracts are, you know, just like a CD. If it was a three-year, if it was a five-year, when it comes due, find something else to do with the money. Some of them auto renew, but a lot of this work has been saying, hey, we had a MIGA from, you know, four or five years ago that was paying, you know, 3% give or take. Now it's coming due and we can put the money to lock in a better rate. Another way that I've used them in my practice over the past, not as long, maybe five or six years. I think Jim and I talked about it on an episode uh, a while back, but I started to also realize like, I don't know what the expectation you know, now this is going back five years ago. I don't know what the expectation is for the net return on the fixed income side of my portfolio using you know mutual funds and ETFs combined with a wrap fee or 
you know, even if you're selling A, B, or C shares. I looked at it and I'm like, boy, I hope I net 3% on this annually over the next three years. And then I started to look at my MIGA accounts and I'm like, wait, I am getting 3% net on those with absolutely zero drama. Right. So what I started offering people was, you know, my concern over rising interest rates at some point, which took a half a decade to materialize, but I said, hey, you know, here's what I anticipate to happen. I think both net returns will probably come out about the same over the next five, 10 years. But I think that when rates do go up, I mean, we're going to see some pain on the bond side. So if you'd like to alleviate it and say, hey, take the guesswork out, we have this money here to be safe and boring, put it in the ultimate safe and boring product and call it a day. And when rates normalize, we'll revisit it. Those clients were a lot happier last year than clients that were still in bonds. But same scenario there. Now these things are coming out of surrender every month. And so now we're looking at saying, you know, do we want to renew at a higher rate in a MIGA? Do we want to move to a CD or do we want to move back to a more traditional fixed income allocation in your overall asset allocation? And again, I lay out the pros and cons and I let them pick. But the one thing that I've been on both fronts for people that were just, hey, uh, banks at 1% for a CD, um, you can get me three, here you go. Or people that replace their bonds. One thing that I am noting to them that I've noticed, and again, no, no, I think we put the disclosure at the beginning. This is an investment advice, right? This we're <laughs> this is just a podcast. You know, I'm sure everybody's noticed on CD rates. You know, you want to go out 18 to 36 months, and as you get as you get longer term, you get a little more interest. And then I've noticed pretty much across the board with CDs, best case scenario going from 36 to 48 or 60 or even longer, your rate either levels out or goes down. And in most cases. A five-year CD right now is paying less than a two- or three-year CD. Right. On the fixed annuity side, I've noticed you know, on the MIGA side, it. I haven't seen any companies that drop the rate after three years, but I've seen rates that pretty much three, five, and seven are the, ten, the same rate, or they'll give you a token five or 10 basis points for going from three to five or five to seven. So I've been talking to people about reinvestment risk and saying, hey, that's awesome that we can get a one-year CD at 4.8%. Here is my concern. What happens in month 13 when this money comes due and we have a new rate environment or 24 months or whatever it is? And you know, what if rates are 1% lower? What if they're on their way back down to where they've been for the last 15 years? And I have a very real concern about this. I've spent most of my career at 0% interest rates. And I'm like, is it worth taking a slightly lower rate for five years and saying, we don't have to deal with this problem? for the next half a decade. Because I mean, I, I guess it could happen. I mean, we could see double digit interest rates again, but I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't perceive the risk to be extremely high about that. But to alleviate it, you can always stretch yourself out with a with a, a CD product or a MIGA product that offers like a flex bailout or like a, a MIGA with a return of premium where, hey, six months from now, if rates are 9%, you just exercise your return of premium or your flex bailout and get your money back and then put it back in. Um, but even acknowledging the change in the the yield curve and where rates are, I mean, even if you're going back to traditional fixed income, I think it's an opportunity to finally lengthen out your durations and say, hey, I've got solid, acceptable rates now. I'm going to lock them in for a period of time. Yeah. 
I think, you know, in, in having these conversations with your clients, they, they can, they can understand number one, that you're a good teacher. Number two, that you know what the hell you're talking about. And so, you know, what, how I explain this to clients, okay, we're, you know, they're raising interest rates right now. The fed is, as we all know, but because we're trying to, to get inflation down at some point, they're going to stop increasing interest rates. That will help out the the market, but but as you continue to raise interest rates, it slows down the economy, right? And it pushes pushes up into a recession. So the only way we're going to get out of a recession is to get interest rates back down. And probably, you know, there's a lot of people on both sides that say, hey, the quicker we can get out of this, you know, recession that we're, you know, I think Vanguard said there's an eighty percent chance we're in a recession this year, right? But uh, and that Goldman Sachs says it's it's inevitable. So they're already talking about, okay, at some point rates are going to have to stop. We're going to stop increasing interest rates. So then we'll kind of level them out and then start dropping them. So what's that going to do to your CD rates, your money markets, your bond you know, interest? All that is going to have to start coming down. Whereas Brad's over here saying, I want to be locking you in at these interest rates because we're kind of everything we're forecasting is rates are, are starting to hit a peak. Yeah. So, I mean, and let's face it. I mean, in my lifetime, you know, Four or five percent on a on a CD uh, for a while. I I mean there were some over five, right? I consider right now to be a, a kind of a normal interest rate environment. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, it's you know, and it's funny. The the older the client, they all remember like the Jimmy Carter days, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so they're like, oh, five percent. You know, you know, if we can get that in a Migor CD, I, I remember. And then they start saying, I remember ten percent or whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, those days are long gone, baby. Those, you know. So right, and you know, the reality is, much like the last fifteen years of being at zero, neither of those rate environments are something we want. No one right. should want them, right? I mean, that means something is wildly wrong economically in the country. So, you know, sure, it, it either could happen, but what I know, right, and I tend to do this in my practice, I tend to give more weight and veer towards decisions that I know, like the bird in the hand thing, like right. not just interest rates. I mean, it could be pre-tax or Roth, you know, when it's super close, like, you know, if I know what the tax savings is today versus what I project the tax savings to be 20 or 30 years from now, if it's that close, I'm going to err towards the one that I know. And what I know right now is rates are not ridiculous in either direction. So if I can lock in some normalcy for three, five, seven years, however long you're comfortable going, I would like to do it because I know personally, and I I think most people, if you pin them down on this, you know, if I could get, you know, I could get 5% for one year, or if I could get four and a half percent for five years. I'm totally fine on four and a half for five. And knowing I don't have to deal with it in 12 months. I don't have to ladder anything. I don't have to, you know, that's just me. That's how I look. And I think I probably gravitate towards clients that think like me. Um, So yeah, I think that the rate environment presents a ridiculous number of opportunities. And actually, you tie these together. The only reason the banking, you know, the questions about banking are coming in are because of really the rate environment. That's true. Because what happened with Silicon Valley Bank is directly tied to the rate environment. So it's really all tied together. And that's what a, a lot of my conversations have been going there. And I think there's opportunity everywhere. Yeah. Related yeah. to it. Well, that's, so we've talked about the banking, we've talked about uh, interest rates and and all the opportunities there with, you know, not only CDs, but MIGAs and, um, 
you know, you even mentioned getting back into a 60-40 portfolio or whatever it might be. Um, taxes are another huge thing. Um, you know, we're at, I was at a, a conference last year and and the speaker was a con- an economist and he asked the audience, who thinks taxes are going up in the future? And literally every advisor in the room raised their hand. I asked clients, hey, do you think taxes are going to be higher or lower in the future? And most of them say, well, they're going up. They got to go up. They 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 got to go up. How are we going to pay for all this stuff? We're what like 32 33 trillion in debt right now and the number climbs. So so with that being said, there's a what's working right now. You know, we're under the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act until what? Uh the end of 2025. So 25, yeah. Yeah, so come 2026 we're going back to the, the old ways and essentially the the brackets are going back up. So Having those conversations with clients, what's working for me personally is, uh, gosh, especially with the market being down, Roth conversions last year, we did more Roth conversions last year than we have in a long, long time. We're going to continue to do those in 2023 and the next couple of years, 2024 and 2025. And people love that. Um, so, so having those tax conversations, Brad, what are your clients asking about taxes and, and how are those conversations going? You know, I treat the I treat the loss harvesting thing like, a, and the Roth conversion thing is tied to the market down, being down. It's nice to have. I call it a silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. I, like sometimes I slip up and I'll call it an opportunity, and then I make a joke out of it, like, "Hey, the opportunity you just lost money." <laughs> you know, right. what the silver lining is. But what I've found with with all of these issues with Roth conversions, with tax loss harvesting, even with what I mentioned about using like a a CDARS account on on prospects and clients. None of these things cost them any money, at least to us. And we don't make any money on doing any of them. And I think you get the opportunity when you address any of these topics with clients and prospects. I think number one, you get a chance to shine and show them, like you said earlier, you know, you explain your logic as to why you're doing the loss harvesting and what your strategy is. You're showing them how knowledgeable you are. But it also shows them without you having to say it, like, this guy is looking out for me. Yeah. He didn't call me to switch me from American funds to MFS. He didn't call me to sell me an annuity. He didn't call me for X, Y, or Z. He literally made no money from doing this, but was looking at my account. And what do we talk about all the time? People leave advisors, not for performance, not for interest rates, not for what you named your firm, not for whether you have a big name behind you. It's communication and feeling like they can trust you and that you're paying attention to them. Right. All this stuff shows them that you are without you having to say, hey, look at me, I'm paying attention to you. Right. So so in those review meetings, I, I can imagine, let's say you met with somebody a year ago, like last March, let's say, and and you know, you're saying to them, hey, a lot has changed. What has changed with you in the last year? And because I, I want to hear about it. Did you buy a new car? Did you, you know, uh, you know, help with a grandkids, you know, college education, what has changed? Sold the house, moved, you know, give me an update of your financial situation. But there's been a lot of things that have changed, not only with your portfolio, but with the economy, the stock market. So let's kind of talk about those. Interest rates a year ago were X. This is where they, and they're they're shaking their head like, oh yeah, I know what my grocery bill, I know inflation's, and they start joking, you know, like, um, oh gosh, they're all talking about the price of eggs or, you know, 
Yeah, what, eggs what? are a big one. Right. So, so okay, inflation is a lot different than it was a year ago. Interest rates, all these different. So, so what are the opportunities here? And, and that's kind of just having a conversation with them and, and teaching them, hey, this is what we're looking at. Um, and this is how it can help you. Yeah. That's, um, and, and that just kind of shows the client that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe we need to pivot here whatever it happens to be, um, because, you know, the, the rules are different this year that, you know, the world kind of just, it moves so fast, not only with, you know, you know, the economy and the stock market and interest rates, but technology and, you know, all the different stuff. So uh, taxes, you know, um, so getting back to taxes, you mentioned, um, uh, loss harvesting, was was huge last year, um, and kind of you know explaining people to people. Okay, this is how the wash sale works. This is you know, I'm, Brad. I'm sure you've had people asking you, what should we be doing differently? Yeah, right. Because yep. they think, okay, wh- what you know, is it rebalancing? Is is it looking elsewhere as far as our fixed income allocation? Is it you know loss harvesting? Is it so all these different things? They want to hear from the expert. And so, right. like you, I, I think you, uh, I want to highlight what you said. This is your chance to shine. This is our chance to shine as advisors. Um, and, and, you know, it may not apply to everybody. If, if somebody has a nothing but a qualified account, well, obviously you can't do, you know, tax loss harvesting, right? Right. <laughs> so um, with that being said, I had a, I had a, a really good, I'll share this story. A, a prospect came in um, with, uh, with a ton of A shares that were in non-qualified accounts and their capital gains last year, you know, not only on their equity, but also their fixed income was like out of control. And what, and so Brad, and you can kind of help explain why, why you shouldn't have actively managed mutual funds in a non-qualified account versus other investments that may be more tax efficient. Um, because I looked at this and and they even identified, Hey, what a, what a problem this is. And, and, pointing that out to them and saying, hey, this is an issue. And they're seeing they're seeing that their fixed income funds are down and they're they're saying, okay, as interest rates keep going up, is this problem, is the hole going to get deeper? Right. Right. And in kind of a and kind of a, you know, explaining that. Uh yeah, Greg, those are actually really great points. Um so great that you had kindly put them in the Facebook poll in the Facebook community. And uh as you were talking there, our producers were in my ear, i.e. my post-it note that I have next to my laptop right now, <laughs> <laughs> that we have an episode slated to uh, to air on that very topic in great detail uh, in a couple of weeks. So I think probably my answer to that is you'll hear my answer on that episode. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. I, <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that. Okay. Yeah. Um listeners voted and uh, number seven, why tax planning can be a huge tax opportunity. We'll save that. We'll save that, uh, you know, tax discussion for the actively managed fixed income funds and equity funds. Well, uh, so we'll table that for now. So sorry, things like that get me worked up and uh, we can go on. Listen, I know taxes excite you. I know that (laughs) is like, you come home and read IRS publications for winding down at night. I get it. I get it. it. That's it. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk about that next time on the next episode. So, uh, hey, this Brad, this has been fun. What you know, what's what's been working for me? Um, I'll kind of you know 
uh, end up with final thoughts and then kind of toss it to you if it's okay. My final thought too is, you know, I work with a lot of people that are approaching retirement, planning for retirement. And, and with the market being down, uh, what was it? the S&P 500 was down like 18, 19% in 2022, something like that. I know the NASDAQ was, you know, got crushed last year. But people are, you know, they're they're coming to me, they're they're calling me, especially with the marketing that I'm doing. I'm talking, I'm having a lot of conversations with people that are saying, hey, we feel like last year just kind of it was a punch to the gut. And now we feel like, okay, are we still on track to retire at all? You know, we wanted to retire in 2023 or 2024. And you know, and crap, we're looking at our 401k and our other accounts, and now they're down over 20%. Should we be doing something different? Should we push off our retirement? Should we be saving more? You know, are we in good shape still? And so that's a lot of the conversations I'm having. What's working for me is, you know, talking to to, to Tom and Sally and saying, hey, let, let's talk about this together. Let's see where you're at now that the storm, well, we're still in the storm. Nobody's really confident in the stock market and the economy right now. But but let's build a retirement plan for you and let's let's talk about this. Because, you know, it's really especially like imagine you were on the doorstep of retirement and and then and then your uh, 401k lost 25%. You went from a million to 750,000. You'd be thinking, ah shit, now I gotta work for the next three years or so. Um so so those are the conversations that are really working for me and 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 also, you know, kind of the tax planning because that's going to continue to be a popular topic uh, you know, for the next couple of years. Brad, those are my final thoughts. What about you? Yeah. Well, as you were sharing your final thoughts, I thought of about nine more topics that we need to cover. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but so my final, or my final thought is going to be basically the same as my intro thought, which is talk to people. And yeah. so I'm going to go a little further because this final thought is also a phrase that used to make me pull my hair out when I was in my first year, because my follow-up question to that would be talk to who, Yeah. right? So, you know, if you don't, for one, obviously, if you already have a marketing plan, go ahead and execute that and talk to those people. If you don't have a marketing plan, obviously, that's going to be something that we're going to be developing and, and delivering in the Century Club. So that's always an option. But um, if you have neither of those going on and you have some existing clients, I think people overlook this, right? If you don't have marketing to do and you're kind of sitting here like, what should I be doing right now? Go through your book and look for everyone that you haven't talked to in the last nine months and get them in your office. Get an update, give them an update, talk to them. Talk Even if they're clients, I don't know how you segment your book. If you have younger clients that are putting a couple hundred bucks a month away in Roth IRAs or 529s or whatever that you've let slip through the cra- the cracks, that, um, that you just don't talk to them. Bring them in, talk to them. I promise you, I don't know, just in the last two weeks, what did I say I did? 27 appointments, I had 60 some in January. I promise you from personal experience, some of those younger people, they have inherited money. Their spouse has changed jobs. They have had kids, so they need 529s. They need more insurance. Not only that, but they have talked to their friends who may have also expressed a need and talking to you will put will make you very referable to them. There's an old saying about whatever you have in assets in your book, there's half again as much out there from those same people no matter how much you think you have everyone's money, you don't, right? So even those people in their 60s and 70s where you think you have all of their money, 
if you haven't talked to them, get them in and talk to them about these things. And you will uncover two things for sure. You'll uncover more assets and opportunities and you will uncover referral opportunities. So my final thought is things are happening. Interest rates are changing. The market is volatile. Um, Talk to people. Things will come up. Opportunity will come up. I love it. Love it, Brad. And that's, you know, Brad just mentioned in the last two weeks, he's met with 27 people. This business is about relationships. It's about activity. And there was a story like the number one guy at Merrill Lynch, and this was like decades ago. And Brad, I told you this story um, <laughs> before the podcast, but, yep. you know, is at the conference giving this guy the award and they ask him, you know, why are you so much more successful than all the other advisors? You know, all the other brokers, they call them back in the day. And he said, well, it's pretty simple. He goes, I'll be right up here next year. You'll see me at the front getting my award next year, but I am knee to knee with more people than all the other brokers combined. And he goes, that's not going to change. That's why I have more conversations with you know, the couples and the widows than, than any other advisor out there. And that's why I'm so successful. Uh, Brad, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point. It's activity and conversations, reaching out to people. That will keep you not only business, but not, not only busy, but it will keep your business thriving. So that's a, that's a great point to end on. Um, hey, this episode has been great of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. If you are interested and uh, you know uh, want to join our Century Club group, you can check us out at thefaedge.com. That's where Brad and Jim and myself will be sharing all of our secrets in this private coaching community. And you'll get to hear the ins and outs of the specifics uh, of, of you know where we're kind of sharing our, you know our best secrets and and what's working for us. And, and really do some, some handholding and coaching and uh, kind of be your inspiration in this business. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week. 